The following podcast is brought to you by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club. If you're looking for a great place to play golf in a beautiful, tranquil setting, may I suggest Crosswinds? Well, I'm going to I'm going to suggest it. I'm going to uh, insist, in fact. Crosswinds is one of the top public courses in the province. It's obvious to see why. They treat you like gold. Gold, Jerry. Gold. The course is in fabulous shape. The facilities are second to none. And they'll go out of their way at Crosswinds to make sure your experience is an unforgettable one. Just 45 minutes from downtown Toronto, Crosswinds also features outstanding banquet facilities so you can hold your wedding or special event there and impress the hell out of your guests. And really, isn't that what it's all about? Mm-hmm. Book your tea time online and save big. Go to crosswindsgolf.com. Tell them Hebsey sent you. Now, let's start the podcast. And welcome to Hebsey on Sports, episode number Eddie Shack, Louis Tiant, and of course, Michael Jordan. I'm your host, Mark Hebsher, alongside Toronto Mike, and it's the day after one of the wildest days in Toronto sports, except for when the Raptors won the championship, but that was so long ago. Marcus Stroman is gone. Are you surprised, shocked, or no, of course you're not. You knew that was going to happen, didn't you? See, I didn't. I was hoping that it wouldn't happen, but uh, what do I know? Eric Sogard is gone. Bo Bichette is on his way to Toronto, and my head is still spinning like I drank six B-52s and knocked them back with coconut beer. That's another story. That was the first time I went to British Columbia and mixed uh, beer and uh, and shooters. Oh, that was... <laughs> woo. Uh, are there more deals to come prior to the trade, de- trade deadline? You bet your ass there are. There's going to be tons. They're going to strip this team. Like, it's... You're not even going to recognize them. Also on the show, are some umpires too fat to do their jobs properly? Hmm. Think about that for just a second. Count, um, Trevor Bauer. Is this guy a few tomatoes shy of a thick sauce? Would you trade for a guy like this? I mean, he went ballistic yesterday. But his apology was beautiful. I mean, if you're going to go off the deep end, your apology's got to be great. And his was. Should a 12-year-old golfer, a 12-year-old, be competing against professionals? And how can you not know if you have a torn ACL? That's a rhetorical question for Zach Hyman. The dude played three games with a torn ACL. Oh, it hurt a little bit, but I didn't think it was torn. What are you, nuts? I mean, I'd be screaming in pain. But first, what a day. Just your average Sunday in Toronto? No, far from it. Marcus Stroman storms out of the Blue Jays clubhouse after being traded to New York. Was that an act? I think the whole thing was an act. Because he's a pretty good actor when you think about it. And he gets traded to New York. No, no, not the contending Yankees that everyone thought. The freaking Mets. Stroman to the New York Mets, who aren't even in playoff contention for two pitchers, neither of whom are top 100 prospects. Uh Uh-oh, right away. Right away, Shapiro and and Atkins are in trouble. (laughs) Neither one of them are top 100 prospects. One of them was like a 99th prospect, according to uh, Baseball America or whatever, you know, whoever does the thing. But not even in the top 100 prospects for Marcus Stroman. Now, a few hours before that, Bo Bichette was pulled out of the Buffalo-Durham game at Durham, North Carolina in the third inning and got pulled out of the game and got handshakes and hugs from his teammates. So everybody knew that Bo was going to the show because prior to that, one of the middle infielders, Eric Sogard, who was all dressed and ready to play, got that tap on the shoulder. You're in the wrong room. <laughs> That's the famous you're in the wrong uh, clubhouse. CHCH yeah. story. You're I in the it. wrong clubhouse. Or, you know, it's <laughs> oh, like it's, it's like from um, uh, from Moneyball where they've uh, they they release the one guy and they say, "Look, you got to get out of the clubhouse quickly because we've just uh. we just hired a guy. We just traded for a guy who's in the other clubhouse. He's coming over right now." 
weird. It was just so, that's a strange, strange. But not day. unprecedented. That does happen periodically. It does. You, it does. In the middle of a game, you go to the right. other dugout. So right. Eric Sogard gets traded for uh, Freddie Charles and Freddie Charles. That's future considerations. That's what they call. It. It's actually oh. player to be named later, which is what's the acronym for player to be named later? Whatever that is. Two guys that we don't know who they're going to be. That the Jays and Rays are going to decide on for Eric Sogard, who had a career year this year. And I mean, if you're going to trade a guy at, uh, at at the peak of his value, you may as well. That's too bad because. You know, both guys were good guys in the clubhouse, but they weren't they weren't helping the Jays win anything this year, so you do what you've got to do. So I had a feeling yesterday. I don't know what about you when you woke up yesterday. I had a feeling it was going to be a weird day when I found out that the dome would be closed on a beautiful Sunday afternoon, 107 start, because there were seven storm clouds at the corner of DuPont and Ossington. Yeah, so I'd be... No, we- no, let's close the dome! Now, I'm with you, except I, I did do a bike ride to the Galleria Mall at Dufferin and DuPont, yes. and there were large black clouds right, over fine. ahead. And, and what time was this? <laughs> Around 2 o'clock. Uh, okay. Now, the game started at one o seven, And from what I could tell, all the forecasts said, you know, a very slight chance of rain. And also, the thing with a retractable roof, correct me if I'm wrong, right? right. But the idea with a retractable <laughs> roof is, if you start, the roof is open and it's a beautiful day, and then storm clouds come in with the weather radar the way it is, they can close that roof. Right. It can be done. I don't remember... In the middle of summer, a day game, ever the roof being closed, unless there was a severe threat of rain. I don't remember that. And what a difference it makes. I, was at, I told you I was at the game July 5th, and they had the dome closed for the same reasons. Threat of rain that never came. And it yeah. makes such a difference in terms of the ambiance in that uh, but, stadium. W- but why have a retractable roof if you don't utilize the retractability of said roof? And it's exciting for spectators to watch it It's very close. Like that, that I remember, remember in 89 what a big exciting thing that was yeah. to watch it close. That when was it, everything. Like, oh, my God, there it goes. Open yeah. or closed. Like, it was exciting. Yeah, and it's so, it's so uh, obsolete now, huh? <laughs> it really is. So, you know, uh, they drew 25,000 or 24,000 yesterday, whatever. It could have been more walk-up crowd, but it's like if you knew the roof was being closed. Wouldn't you know, have been that many more, but I agree with you. It might have been. But, Open but the still, for those who were there roof. that didn't need sunscreen, mm-hmm. didn't need caps, didn't need water, mm-hmm. I'm sure they would have liked to have put on the sunscreen and had baseball caps and had water and all that because it's baseball's meant to be played outdoors. But never mind that. The <laughs> fact that I ran seven miles yesterday in the same heat. How come you speak uh, American? What is with these seven miles? Like, can't you put that into kilometers for the uh, Hebzion Sports uh, fan base? Unfo- we don't know. I don't know what that means, seven. What did you say, seven miles? How yeah. many kilometers? Yeah. Uh, what's a mile? You don't know what a mile is? 1.6, is that it? Uh, and, but a mile, like, what's the world record for the mile? So like, you know, three forty something, right? I know, but I'm, mile I, uh, record was. Set I just noticed you talk the mi- four minute mile. Did anyone? <laughs> did you ever hear anyone say, "Oh, what's the record for the fifteen hundred meters?" So you know, I run. You know, when I, I, you know, it's kilometers. I run seven miles, whatever, however number of kilometers that is. My my watch and my whole thing is is based on miles because, you know, walk a mile in my shoes. Yeah, but that's an Amer- American came up. Oh with that bullshit! <laughs> oh, give me a break, right? Um, do you not know people that go, uh, what's the temperature out there? Oh, it's in the mid-70s. You hear people go, no. oh, it's going to be 22 or 23. The, I hear 22, 23. And what's 22 or 23? Is that pretty warm? Is that beach weather? What is that? It's great. It's great. It's not. It's a wonderful it's not beach weather. temperature. You got to know, between 75 and uh, everything above 75, <laughs> that's beach weather. And it's around 70. It might not be beach weather. But anyway, I ran seven miles, whatever, however number of kilometers. Don't tell me how many kilometers it is. I, I have to know. Google it. I have to Google it. Now, six miles is 10 I'm just 10K. surprised because with weight, I've noticed this oh, in Canada, shit. okay? With weight. Yes. People do talk pounds. I will. You, of how course. much you weigh? They don't go, oh, I weigh 70 kilograms. Yeah. They don't. But when it comes to distance and temperature, Everyone I know uh, is talking metric, except you. 
75, 75 degrees, 80 degrees, 100 degrees. It's 100 degrees out there. You don't hear it go, ooh, look at that. It's 37. Sure you do. Okay, what's 37? It's probably pretty warm. I'd say that's about 90. <laughs> I don't know. I never mind. So people are tuning us out now. <laughs> no, no, no. They're anyway, they're I ran seven miles or the, or the metric equivalent of, and it was hot. But for gosh sakes, if I can run seven miles, why can't you just leave the roof open? I mean, if I, I'm an old guy. I survived. I just had lots of water. The same thing. Stupid. So I knew that I knew it was going to be a weird day. It's just odd because the roof's closed. And of course, inside, 24,000 fans not needing all that watched Aaron Sanchez, who, if you go back over Aaron Sanchez, this guy is lights out in the first couple of innings. I mean, he's unstoppable. And I've been saying all along, put him back in the bullpen because this guy, if he comes out of the bullpen, he's goose gossip. You, you need someone to start. Like, you, we have a shortage. I, I get that, but I'm just saying that. I mean, you know, and now people are going, ooh, look at Aaron Sanchez. He struck out 10 or whatever it was. He went five. He couldn't get through the sixth inning, folks. He didn't, it, you, it's not considered even a quality start. He went five and two thirds and got hit for four runs. So anything he did prior to that was great. It's great that he, you know, struck out, you know, the first six batters and the whole thing like that. But doesn't mean squat. It doesn't mean anything. He still gave up four earned runs in five and two-thirds. That's not a quality start. But it looked, it was great for a while, especially with the team leading eight to one. Woohoo! Aaron Sanchez got an eight-one lead. By the, time he left, by the time he left, it was eight-three, and then two minutes later it was eight-four. And then you know what happened. Mm -hmm. Right? Two-run homer made it eight-six. The next batter homers to make it eight-six. I'm not even going to mention the pitchers they gave this up because they're probably going to be traded this week. Because nobody's safe on this roster. Uh, there's I'll tell you who's safe on this roster. Okay. Jay's lost the game, by the way, 10-9. In nine innings, giving up a seven-run lead, and of course, as you know, the day before uh, they uh, they they uh, the insurmountable seven-run deficit uh, mm -hmm. that they uh, had uh, acquired uh, uh, that that went by the wayside. So two games in a row where the team, the leading team, blows a seven-run lead, which has never happened, before. never happened before in baseball, and of course, some since nineteen twelve is happening on the dead ball era. Okay, <laughs> great, 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 great. So if you if I would have said to you uh -huh. that two games in a row they're going to come back from a seven-run deficit to win an extra innings, and then the next day they're going to blow a seven-run lead, you're going to go no, but uh, it happened. I would have been shocked, and it did happen. It did Amazing. Happen. So they lost the game. Uh, so I suspect that everybody on this team is going to be gone except for Vladdy. Biggio, Guriel, Danny Jansen, and Bo Bichette. That's the position players. Oh, and Randall Gritchick because he doesn't earn contract, but maybe someone will take his contract. What about T. Oscar Hernandez? I, I don't know. I don't know. I would trade him for some pitchers. I don't know. I know he hits the home runs and stuff like that. I'm not convinced yet. Guriel is a keeper for sure. He's awesome. So here's your starting staff. Okay. This is your starting pitching staff in 2022. Nate Pearson, Simeon Woods-Richardson, Alec Manoa, Anthony Kay, Ryan Barucki. How's that sound? That, that, that's the, the, that name, uh, that's the 18-year-old we got yesterday, right? Yes, Simeon Woods Richardson. That's right. We got the two guys we got for Stroman. Is he going to be ready by then? Well, look, I mean, he's 18. He's, eight, he's in his first year of pro ball. He might be two years away from being two years away. Well, he might be. But again, I, and you know, he's, the, he's now the number seven prospect in the Jays system. And uh, the other kid, uh, Anthony Kay, who's going to be, he's 24. He's going to be 25 by next year. Yeah, season. he's in AAA right now. He's in AAA. He was having his troubles in AAA. But I guess, I guess if you're having your troubles in AAA, you get called up to the majors. Look at Bo Bichette. Three for his last 33 at Buffalo. Right. He, but did he not tweet out? I don't know what else I can do. I don't know what else. You know, I, I've done everything I can do. Okay. You're up, right? May as well. I mean, bring them all up now because if you look at this roster, virtually every guy has been sent down. We mentioned Tay Oscar. We mentioned Guriel. Rowdy Telez is down in Buffalo. I don't know if he's part of the future. Hopefully he is. He's raking it pretty good down there. But all these guys, I mean, it's almost like the process now is let's call them up, and if they struggle, we'll send them to AAA. They'll get their act together, and they'll come back, and they'll be great. 
I don't know if that's the way to do it, but that seems to be the way the Jays are doing it because all these guys at one time or another, uh, except for Vladdy, I guess they're, they're, they've struggled up here. They go back down, and then hopefully they come back and they do great. Um, so that's the way I, I'm looking at this. That uh, uh, this 24-year-old we got yesterday, what's his name? Uh, his name is uh, Anthony K. Yeah, I suspect he'll be called Tony in Buckets se- in September. Tony Buckets is his uh, Twitter handle. Well, I suspect so too because just you know you gotta you gotta you gotta see what these guys can do and right. uh, in non-pressure situations in September when they expand the rosters and the Jays have no chance of making the playoffs. There's no pressure. So what do you think about like. this? De- I mean, uh, okay, the, of course we won't know if this was a good deal for no. several years. No, neither one so of these two no guys. One, no one knows now. Are in the top 100 deal. prospects, but as you know, out of the top 100 prospects, it's, there's no guarantee, especially the lower you are. An 18 year old pitching his first year of a full year of pro ball. And by the way, mm-hmm. and I'm, I, I, you know, I did a bit of research here. This Woods Richardson kid, 18, not 19 until September, late September. Um, he was the only teenager pitching in the Florida state league. That's known as high a, there's several, four levels of a ball. There's the rookie league. Like there's like the Gulf Coast League where, you know, as soon as you're, you know, you graduate high school, you play there. There's the rookie league, which is the short season, which is Vancouver. You know, where it used to be Medicine Hat when we had the Medicine Hat Blue Jays. There's the, um, the longer season, which is Lansing Lugnuts or uh, Charleston, the South Atlantic League. And then there's the high A, which is the Florida State League. That's the high A. And he was, good. He was the only teenager in the Florida State League, teenage pitcher. He never got to pitch in the Florida State League because, and people were, up, were like, whoa. They're advancing this kid pretty quickly. And that's high A ball. That's pretty good for an 18-year-old. So maybe he's the one. Uh, Woods Richardson. That's a good, uh, and that's his last name, as a matter of fact. Oh, like Nugent Hopkins. I guess. That's a, that's a trend now. Simeon Woods Richardson and uh, Anthony Kay. Those are the two guys they got. And we don't know who the two Freddie Charleses are in the Eric Sogard <laughs> deal, but they're certainly not going to be uh, prospects like these two guys here. So there you go. There's your 2022-2023 uh, Blue Jays. And by the way, Woods Richardson, the Jays wanted him in the draft last year. Uh, they, they had him penciled in, but the Mets grabbed him four spots ahead of the Jays. So the Jays took Griffin Conine instead, the son of Jeff Conine. And if he makes the majors, he would be like the 15th. Yeah, I mean, let's think about all the Jays that you've got, all the juniors. That, that are the sons of major league players. And I heard we were trying to get Quantrill. Uh, At Cal Quantrill, yes. yeah. You know, let's just get... Uh, look, you got to admit, if, if your dad was a major league player, you probably have a better shot at the majors than, you know, some other kid whose dad wasn't. You had the facilities, you had the opportunities, you had the coaching. You know, you from an early time, you knew what it was like in a major league clubhouse. The genetics, of course. The DNA. So we'll see what happens. Remember, after Alex Anthopoulos... The cupboard was bare in the minor league. There was nothing in the minors. You could have gone, you could have dropped a, you know, a fishing line in the water, and you would have, you would have gotten no bites. There was nobody there. They have to build through the draft and through and through the trades, and they have to restock their farm system. And all these guys, none of these, you know, they don't guarantee that they're all going to make the majors. But as it stands now, you got to have some depth. That's why they keep dipping into Buffalo for the same guys: Sean Reed Foley, Thomas Pannone, Jacob Wagensburg. I can, I, the list goes on and on. Who's pitching? I don't know. What day is it? You know, right. whoever's in Buffalo. And so all these stories, that's because they don't have enough guys in the minors. And they certainly don't want to be coming, calling up the guys from double A, you know, that are on their way up. The, the Nate Pearsons, they don't, you know, you don't want to be doing that. Nope. You know, the guy, you know, they say for a batter, they say, you know, you need like a thousand at bats. And for a pitcher, you need, you know, like 300 innings. But, but the Jays, you know, they got to rush some guys up. So as for Stroman, well, he'll be remembered as an intense competitor. Maybe a little too intense for some people's liking. 
Remember he was suspended. What about your liking? Did you find him too intense? I found him up and down. There was up and down. There were times where I wished he would have just shut up. And there were other times where I was like, yeah, right on. You know, he's, he had some Dennis Eckersley qualities that we didn't like when we were Blue Jays <laughs> oh, yeah, and Eckersley. The, uh... Yeah, the stuff like that. Right. And then there were other times where I was like, yeah, you know what? It's okay. He was more, more like a basketball player. Do you know what I mean? More of the in your face, like, you know, let's get in there. Let's be like the intensity, but also the, uh, and especially his appearances on social media. He was very, very active. I read Rob media. Longley. Uh, he he thought maybe that this was learned from his, uh, you know, the guy who owned that clubhouse when he was coming up, Batista. Uh, Jose Batista. That's well, yeah, kind of that well, swagger. That's kind of learned from uh, absolutely from Joey Bat. But I think he had it before he was even drafted by the Jays. You know, uh, you're well, told he had that chip on his shoulder for seven. being five foot seven. You're told that's right. You're told you're you know, and he used that to his advantage. Look, they told me I'm five foot seven. I'm too small. I'll show them. You know, what is it? Heart doesn't measure... Uh, Height the, doesn't measure heart. Doesn't measure I think heart. The tw- if you go back to the tweet when they drafted Marcus Stroman, yeah. I think he's listed as 5'9 in that tweet. So well, it's interesting. But he how, even uh, said himself that he's 5'7. Yeah, I think, no, he's 5'7. I but, think he even took an inch off of his own. I think, uh, he, I think yeah, he, he's probably 5'8. Yeah. He's like 5'8. He yeah. said, and he's like, you know, I'm 5'7. That kind of thing. But I'll he was show listed you. at 5'9. It's funny how that yeah. works. Um, <laughs> and and you, you, have to remember, you have to go back. Marcus Stroman was suspended for 50 games back in 2012 for using uh, performance-enhancing drugs. People seem to forget that. What was the drug? Do you remember? Well, yeah, but- whatever it was, it was performance enhancing. Because sometimes it's like Sudafed or something like well, that. Well, in the meantime, he was suspended for 50 games, right? So was Chris Colabello, if I'm not mistaken. And what happened to him? That's anyway, for sure. But anyway, I think the greatest thing that people may not recall was this guy tore his ACL in spring training on a bunt drill in 2015. And they said, you're going to miss the entire season. And he said, no, no, I'm not. And we were all, come on, what, what you punk, what do you think you are? You just tore your freaking ACL in spring training. You're not coming back. Right. You know how long it takes? Blah, blah, blah. Well, he came back. And he did a hell of a job and pitched in the 2015 playoffs. And and look, the guy wore his heart on his sleeve. We'll give him that. And he pitched some big games. I mean, the Absolutely. biggest games we've played, you know, yeah. last decade or so. Yeah. Yeah. And his one loss record may not show that. And uh, But he took the Jays to task earlier this year at spring training. He said, I want to sign long-term with the club, but no offer is forthcoming. And I think he knew that Atkins and Shapiro didn't want to have anything to do with him. He knew that, and he played to his advantage. He took, got the fans on his side, including me. Oh, they won't sign me long-term. I'm thinking, man, why wouldn't you sign this guy long-term? But obviously, this relationship was fractured from yep. the time they came to Toronto. From the time they came here. And he wanted, you know, show me how much, lo- how, show me how much you love me. Look what I did in 2015. Look what I did in 2016. Now, 20, at the end of 2016 season, he still had three years of club um, control. control, but he went to arbitration twice. Bitter. Arbitration's yeah. never good. He won once and he lost once. Right. And he hasn't forgotten that. That was a cross. And I think the relationship soured during arbitration where he realized that these guys are not going to pay him what he wants and they didn't like him for whatever reason. And they were just looking for a time to, I hate saying get rid of him, but, but, but get, get some value for him. Do you think this is the, another move is coming? Uh, oh, the yeah. Met, but no, not for the Jays. I mean, for the Mets. Like, do you think Strowman is a Met, or is this yeah. just a temporary spot, and then he gets flipped for something else? See, I don't give a shit about the New York Mets. Never have. They're not my team. <laughs> not even when Doctor K was. They're not my doctor. The they're not guys. my dog. Daryl Strawberry. I got all that, but they're not my <laughs> team. So I don't care, and I don't. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. The Would Mets. you help Keith Hernandez move? That's what I want to no, know. Come on. But I, but I don't care about the Mets. And, and I think, I'm, oh boy, I can hardly wait to see Marcus Stroman in a Mets uniform with Jacob deGrom and Noah Syndergaard, who's rumored to be traded, as is everyone else. I don't care. What I don't understand is why, why would the Mets go after Stroman? Like, what for? They're not going to make the playoffs this year. 
unless, like you say, he's part of there's a flip job going on because the trade deadline's not till Wednesday, and this happens Sunday. That's another interesting part of it. There's right. time now for the Mets, if they want, to do a flip job. Maybe they keep Stroman and they flip Noah Syndergaard. They're not going to flip. Uh, they're not going to flip Degrom. He's their best pitcher. But uh, you go through all that, and remember, not that many years ago, the Jays had Noah Syndergaard, um, Sa- Aaron Sanchez, mm-hmm. and a guy named Justin Nicolino, who were their three at at, at uh, Lansing Lugnuts. They were these were the three pitchers of the future. Right. How many of them are left? One. Uh, half of one. <laughs> you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Sanchez. Oh, only two guys left from those uh, that exciting 2015 season. You got uh, smoke is going to be smoke gone, and uh, yeah, and Sanchez. Who? And, and going, well, I don't know if they'll both be gone. I don't know if you, if you get anything for Sanchez. No, there's no value. But I could turn Sanchez into my relief. I could trade Ken Giles today. Well, mind you, his arm is, you know, he's never 100% this guy. Mm-hmm. He's ready. He's not ready. But, I mean, you could trade Giles, and you could say, you know what, Sanchez, you're going back to the bullpen. You're going to be our ace out of the bullpen for the next whatever number of years. Why not? Why not? You're, he's an awesome one-inning guy. You tell me he can't come in and just blow guys away with that curveball? You know, so I, I think he could be your relief pitcher. He could be your uh, your 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 last guy out of the bullpen. Yeah, you know? your closer. Your closer. Uh, as far as the rest of the team goes, who knows? <laughs> I got to believe that Ross Atkins is looking to make all kinds of deals. He couldn't make one with the Yankees for their top prospect. He couldn't make one with the Braves because neither uh, Brian Cashman nor Alex Anthopoulos. I mean, they're they're pretty sharp guys. And he would have gotten taken to the cleaners, Atkins, had he tried to make a deal with those guys. <laughs> they don't make bad deals. So you're saying Atkins is not as shrewd a dealer as Anthopolis. That's correct. Wow. That's correct. And listen, already management's being raked over the coals on social media. People hate these guys. They might throw like throw rotten tomatoes at them or something. I agree like that, that they they are, they're not well liked. No, no, they're hated. Yeah. Hated. They're blamed. They're being blamed for this, and it's they're going to lose well, 100 games. Even with Josh Donaldson, it ended poorly. Well, like, it never ends. That's the other thing. Wait, yeah. it never ends well. See, we're only looking at it from the Jays' standpoint. Look at every team in every sport. When a guy gets traded, it never ends well. Nobody wants to be traded. Trust me. Very few guys want to be traded. I mean, there are some that get me out of here. But when they're traded, and I told you this on the last podcast, Mike, they immediately say, thank you, Toronto. We love the fans, the fans, the fans, the city, the fans, the restaurant, the fans. Did I mention the fans? Good for the brand. Nothing about the organization, though, right? It never ends well for the organization. Josh Donaldson, you know, had some things to say about the, they didn't treat me right. The medical the, staff the didn't medical treat me right. Medical staff, yeah. Stroman, the same kind of a thing. So that always happens. That happens. But I'm going to tell you this right now. Get ready for a few more 100 lost seasons. This team is going to be completely overhauled with an eye towards 2022 and 2023. And I mentioned already the guys that I think will be the stalwarts on that team, or are they hoping for that? That's a long way away. There's going to be a lot of suffering, a lot of pain. And here's the most important thing, mm-hmm. a lot fewer bums in the seats. And that's why I think they called up Bo Bichette. I think they said, look, if we get rid of Strowman and we bring up Bichette and he starts to rake, maybe people won't be as upset at us. You know what I mean? Maybe they'll go, hey, like with the Gritchuk, when Kevin Pillar was traded, they signed Gritchuk to a long deal. Now, he hasn't really come through, but I think the idea was, that's bad news. Let's give them a little good news. Right. Give them a little candy, a little Bo Bichette. Never mind the fact that he's three for his last 33 and was struggling in Buffalo, bring him up here and let's take lots of pictures of him and Vladdy and Kevin and Lourdes, the boys, you know, the big four, whatever you're going to call these guys. Right. Let's do that because, you know, it's just, it's going to be, ugh. and there's going to be more trades. It's going to get uglier before it gets better. On you right now. Especially because smoke- we're going to get rid of all our half decent relievers that right. don't have any value. But Smoke's going to be gone and Galvis is going to be gone and Giles is going to be gone and Daniel Hudson's going to be gone and, you know, who knows, Joe Biagini could... It doesn't matter. This team, you're not going to recognize these guys, except for the four guys I mentioned and all these kids who are pitching in the minors and Ryan Barucki. 
Right. And that's, <laughs> that's about it. Uh, we all know Cleveland pitcher. Oh, did something else that you wanted to talk about the the day yesterday with the trades and the so the Sogard thing was kind of weird, eh? Yeah. Well, he he they, he was pulled. I guess late. He was. He, he was. Well, he uh, was dressed and he, he was, was yeah. he was in the lineup. He was he was scheduled a, a bat leadoff and then he got scratched because I think Montoyo said, "Look, it looks like there's it looks like they're working on a deal." So, you know, we're going to pull you out of the lineup because something could happen while the game is going on. So it's like Atkins doesn't tell Montoyo, pull him out of the lineup? You think Montoyo just read the tea leaves? I think he gets told. Uh, well, I think he's saying, I'm sure Atkins said, look, Charlie, we're working on a deal. We're pretty close with yeah. Tampa Bay with Sogard. Can't risk it. We're pretty close. Like, can you imagine? Sogard, first pitch, gets hit by a pitch, breaks no, his you wrist, can't risk deals it. off. Yeah. So you can't do that. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, Trevor Bauer. Yes. Uh, also the subject of trade rumors. And we all know that he's a bit of an oddball, a bit of a kook, okay? Wears his heart in his sleeve, you know, not, he's not unlike Stroman. I could see Stroman doing stuff like that Trevor Bauer did yesterday, if you missed it. The stunt he pulled off yesterday was beyond odd. It was disrespectful. It was unprofessional. It was childish. As his manager, Terry Francona, was on his way to the mound to pull him from the game against KC, Bauer turned around and fired the ball over the center field wall. <laughs> over the center field wall. Right. Now, as soon as I saw this, I thought of two things. One, I remember Dave Rigetti of the Yankees doing it. Right. He threw it over the right field fence at Exhibition Stadium. He got pissed. The other one was Rob Dibble, a reliever for the Cincinnati Reds, threw a ball into over the center field fence and hit a fan oh. from like 400 feet away. Oh, my God. And hit a fan and was suspended. And that, that was pretty much the beginning of the end of his major league career. He just went off the deep end. Right. Now... Imagine being the manager. You're gonna now see this is another thing in baseball. Unlike any other sport, in baseball, when a, when a pitcher gets pulled, he has to stand there, humiliated, right, and angry, and not wanting to come out of the game, while the manager strolls from the dugout on to the wards, <laughs> the mound, and the rest of the players. For sure, the catcher comes out, and sometimes the other players come out, and they come out so that they can you know give some encouragement to the pitcher who's going to be removed from the game. It's embarrassing. Right. Nobody wants to be removed from the game in the middle of an inning. You want to finish the inning. And then when the inning's over, they, okay, good job, whatever, sit. And then the next inning, but so it's the most humiliating thing that can happen in sports. It's like having your pants pulled down in front of 50,000. <laughs> it is. It is. Nobody wants to be removed unless it's, unless you're just in there for one guy. You're a lefty reliever. Your job is to get the lefty the one out. out guys, yeah. You get the one out guy. You yeah. know, that's your role. Right. But in this case, a starting pitcher never wants to be removed from the game and certainly never wants to be removed in the middle of a game. So while Francona is strolling to the mound, Bauer's like, F this, turns around. And I mean, one of the players, I think the second baseman, just thought he was going to throw the ball at him. Mm -hmm. He like flinched. Mm -hmm. And Bauer just, just chucked it over the center field mm -hmm. wall. And Francona comes over and basically said, what the F are you, what the F are you doing? And Bauer kind of pats him on the shoulder. My bad. Right. right? He owned and it right away. He owned it. My bad. I didn't, and then walked and then, you know, sat in the principal's office for a while. Yeah. And at the end of the game, offered a very... A lovely and sincere and professional apology. Apologize profusely for his actions. Mike, if you're another team mm -hmm. and you're watching this, are you going to trade for Trevor Bauer? I don't have a problem. I mean, it's it's kind of a dumb thing. He's emotional. Uh, he wears but, his heart on his sleeve. Like you compare him to Strowman. I actually don't see Strowman as doing something like that. Strowman's more about like, uh, he's, he's no. really pumped up. Like he's up to 11 and he's pumped up. And, right. And, he'll and do, he's not capable of firing a ball uh, in the no, stands, I throwing see, a bat at somebody, doing right. something wild. I don't see him, uh, I don't see him doing that, but I don't see many guys doing that. But yeah. uh, no, I, I if, if, he's, if, he can, if he can pitch, uh, I'm, I'd, I'd trade for him. See, I, don't, 
I wouldn't blacklist him because he uh, lost his cool and threw a ball over the fence. Yeah, it was a great apology, by the way. Yeah. And I never really heard Marcus Stroman apologize for any of his actions. Like, that was a good apology. That was like... Well, yeah, but that, that needed an apology. The Marcus Stroman stuff, Some of the Marcus, uh, Marcus doesn't believe it needs an apology because well, he's Marcus, just fired up. Yeah, okay. But there were, were there were times where he did some things where he could have, like, you know, quelled things down, but he didn't. See, I see Marcus Stroman as a type of a guy in, an, in, a, in a close game that, that he could, like, Ty Cobb, he could run into the stands, like, jump into the stands and beat the crap out of some guy that was heckling him. Like, he could snap. Marcus Stroman looks to me to be the type of a guy. I know, I don't see it that, that could, yeah, that, that could snap. He could snap. I remember, I remember Rob Dibble, this whack job too. Yeah. I remember him throwing intentionally at a base runner. There was a, like a chopper up the first baseline. He grabbed it. And then, and you know, so now you're the pitcher. So now you're facing, you're, you're throwing the ball to first. The runner is right in front of you. You've got to throw it either over his head or to the side so the first baseman can make the play. He drilled the run. I don't forget who it was. He drilled him right between the shoulder blades. I've seen that On in slow purpose. Pitch. I've seen he that in slow fired pitch. it. Yeah. He just, like, the guy threw 100 miles an hour and yeah. he just fired it right at the guy. <laughs> so guys like that. And I just sort of, you know, now I think of it, I, I, Strowman could do that. No. Now he's going to New York, and I know New York's intense, and all you need, hey, Strowman, why don't you go back to Long Island? Hebsy. He could snap. You know Strowman watches us on Periscope. I don't think he does anymore, now that he's well, out he, of here. He did last episode. Yeah, but now that he's out of here, he's, he's not watching <laughs> us. He's watching the New York show. Strowman is watching, just he, so he knows. He's, not, he's watching the New York show. <laughs> what happened to our uh, thing there? We no, you got a phone call, but ignore it. I think it'll come back the, to the video shortly. Who would call me? You got like, who would phone me in the middle of a... <laughs> Hempsey's getting a phone call. I don't think so. We're still on. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, all right. So you would trade for Trevor Bauer, sure. and you don't think Marcus Stroman is capable of doing something Correct. like that. Is that right? Right. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, there was a discussion in my house yesterday as to the fitness of certain umpires, the fitness of certain umpires, and whether or not they could do a better job if they lost some weight. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, in every other sport, in football, in hockey, in soccer, in basketball. You, you do a fair bit of running. You know, you, you got to be in shape. Big time. But not so in, um, in yeah. baseball. You can stand virtually in the same position for the entire game and just gesticulate with your arms. Right. Oh, you're safe, that kind of thing, right? Right. So the question is, um, should umpires be, in, generally speaking, in better shape than, than some of them seem to be. I'm not going to mention any names. You know the guys. But it used to be, if you go back a few years, like a lot of the umps, like a lot, if you saw a trim ump, that was a rarity, right? You make a good point here. I feel it's a bad look. Like right. baseball's trying. Yeah, so your periscope ended. So whatever that, the phone call killed your periscope. How did that happen? How does the phone call kill <laughs> so periscope? If you're listening now and you started with us on periscope. Can and we get it, it back ended, up there? You can start a new periscope. You can't get the old one fired up again. If you wanted to start a new one, you could start a new one. Uh, I think we just, this is a lesson to That's everybody true. that you got to subscribe to this podcast right, to make sure you, you don't go. So if you want, but, Yeah, so there you go. But the, <laughs> but the refs, okay, yeah. For those of us who are so, the podcast, ignore what we're saying about Periscope. Screw that. Soccer? <laughs> so, so, yeah, every sport. The refs go. You're right. They're all, they're all fit because they have to be, have high cardio and uh, be able to keep up with right. the uh, athletes. And in baseball, they're, they're not fit. But it's a bad look for baseball. They should really get their umps in, uh, in better fitness uh, conditioning. Absolutely. I'm with you here. Do you think, no, but the question is, does their lack of fitness in this case or their wide girth affect their ability to call balls and strikes to get the plays right? Because it just seems that baseball umpires are more under more scrutiny than any other referees. Every single play, safe or out. Yeah. Ball, especially balls and strikes, which you can't, you know, there's no, you can't go to video replay, but... I mean, there were a couple times, like there were a couple times yesterday where one with Teoscar Hernandez and one I think with Kevin Biggio, where the, they got called out on strikes and they just, 
looked at the ump like, come on. <sighs> like, you couldn't do that in the old days. You looked sideways at the ump, you're out of the game. Right. But now it just seems that they're questioning so many because technology shows. You know, that ball was never in the strike zone. Mm-hmm. Now, if the ump is consistently, consistently missing those calls and the strike zone is wider than it should be, oh, okay. You know in the first inning that he's, he's calling the high strike or he's calling the outside corner strike, even if it's not on the corner. And the strike zone is wider. Okay, as long as he's consistent. As long as the same call exists in the first inning as the ninth. But there were some calls yesterday on both sides where you're like, whoa, that was a strike? Right. Like, I don't know what you're looking at there. Robot umps. Let's do it. Now, that particular umpire was did not seem to have a wide girth. So, to me, it had nothing to do with whether no, he I don't was think, I don't chunky think the, or not. Uh, the belly size influences their ability but to doesn't it look? But doesn't it look? look it's e- a bad look, I think. Even, even players. Like, even look, the, the days of Bartolo Colon... Right. And, and um, Big Poppy, even. I mean, a large, some large men. You know, the, those well, days. Be careful because Vladdy is gonna, could be that in a couple well, years. Well, he could like, be. Yeah. Or, no, he could be. But I'm just saying, the, 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 I mean, as a player, you could get away with it, I guess, more because, you know, you're a power hitter, right? That, where's the power come from? You've got some, some size to you. If the fact that you can't run the bases, forget it. As long as you can hit the ball. David the Wells had a David Wells had a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys. But as far as umps go, it used to be like a lot of the umps had big bellies and that kind of thing. And it was, right. oh, okay, John McSherry, guys. I, I'm not, you know, a lot of them. But now it's it's like when you see one, you go, whoa, should that guy lose 30 pounds? Will it make him a better umpire? Can he can he squat down far enough to get the low <laughs> strike? I mean, all that stuff. Right. So it would be good just to be better role models for the children to learn fitness is important. We should have the ump should be eating carrots when I'm, you know, I get to get them trimmed a little bit. All right. Now you're making fun of me. <laughs> now you're making total fun of me. <sighs> All right. Um, let's talk a little golf. Okay. Yours okay. truly shot a scrambly 89 at crosswinds on Saturday uh, in the searing heat. Uh, I was not hitting my irons particularly well. I need a lesson in hitting irons. I just, I'm not crisp irons. And I certainly didn't hit them as well as Brooks Kepka did at the World Golf Championship. You see the way I got into that one? <laughs> me at Crossman shooting 89, Brooks Kepka. I like that comparison. I like that, uh... yeah. Well, believe me, I like to bomb it like that guy. He's in shape. I mean, yes. talk about a sport. There you go. Talk about a sport that had, you know, that, that right. you know, you didn't have to be, look like you were in great shape. Right. Like you could hit the ball a long way and you had a touch. It didn't matter if you had a big gut on you. I don't have to mention the names of many golfers that, you know, did not look athletic. John Daly? Oh, John Daly, Craig Stadler. You know, right. there's all kinds of guys. But the point is, is that, you know, in golf, and the other thing with golf is you still have to walk 18 holes. Right. You don't have to carry your clubs. The caddy does that. But you've got to walk 18 holes. Except for John Daly, who has a medical exemption. and not have to walk it. And that's a whole other story. So the idea being that golfers are not athletes. Well, hang on a sec. You still got to walk 18 holes. So you might have a big Who gut. said golfers were not athletes? Well, that, you know, that was the expression. Okay. You know, it was like golfers and... and, and Bowlers? And, bowlers and not so much and race car drivers right you know that kind of a thing well you're not an athlete the car does the work or something right. that kind of a thing so there was always that comparison uh, and so i just i just feel that uh you know golfers especially nowadays yeah they they're way more trim you don't see oh, i feel tiger changed it though because he he was oh, so yeah. fit and strong and yeah. did the, so much weights and ever since then i think that's been yeah, the, the prototype kepka's a great example I mean, this yeah. guy is solid as a rock man and uh you know, and his golf game, you know, shows you that maybe if you're in better shape, you have more flexibility, you know, the power that you got, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he wins the World Golf Championship uh, over, uh, um, well, Rory McIlroy for one. They were supposed to have a big battle uh, down the stretch, but Rory faded uh, in the uh, final round, and uh, Kepka won the title by three shots over Webb Simpson. Uh, remember, McIlroy won the Canadian uh, Open, which was very exciting. I was very, you know, and I think a lot of, 
people became Rory McIlroy fans. And a lot of Canadians said, you know, what a nice guy. And he said such nice things about Canada. And again, there you go again. Okay, you come to a certain country, you just say lovely things about of the course. people and the country, and you and they love you a long time, well, forever. Bands have been doing that forever. Forever. Are, we know? love it here in Canada. Hello, Springden. We love, yes. yes, we love it in Canada. We love Canadians, and we love Canada, and we love your poutine, and we love everything about you. Right. You know, so that you'll invite us back and, you know, pay us a huge fee to, you know, and all that kind of thing. Of course. Thing. It's all good. So, um... Uh, he wins. Uh, Brooks Kapka does. Uh, on the LPGA Tour, Brooke Henderson tied for 11th at the Marathon Classic. She's going to have some Canadian company at this year's Canadian Women's Open next month. I don't know if you heard this story, Mike. Um, Michelle Liu is a 12-year-old golfer. Wow. 12 wow. from Vancouver. She finished as the top Canadian at the National Women's Amateur Championship in Red Deer, Alberta. And with that, earned an exemption into the CP Women's Open next month at the Magna Golf Course in Aurora, Aurora, Ontario. Hmm. And she intends to take advantage of it, too. She's 12. 12, Mike. That, so tell me, like, there is, I guess there's no uh, floor for age uh, in these no, events. No, if you qualify, you qualify. She's going to be the youngest golfer to play in the 47-year history of Canada's National Women's Championship. She'll be 12 years, wow. nine months, six days, Four hours and 37 minutes when she tees off, if she tees off when we think she will. Now, that's the difference between the men and women's game because you're never going to see a 12-year-old uh, male uh, oh. winning the amateur championship. No, well, no, she didn't win the championship. She was just a low Canadian. Uh, I meant, okay. Right. But still, so uh, so that the, the um, CP Women's Championship starts August the 22nd at the Magna. So a few weeks after that tournament, she's going to start grade eight. That's amazing. I think that's my, my daughter turned fifteen eight. today. I can't imagine that. She'd happy be a birthday! Three -year yes, but, but she's going to start grade eight. She's going to. Well, so, what did you do for your summer? Well, I played against professional women. Yeah, insane. <laughs> and her hero, who happens to be Brooke Henderson, who was fourteen years of age when she qualified for the CP Women's Open uh, back in I think twenty fourteen. So, is twelve too young to be competing against the best pros in the world? Twelve. What do you think? Because my, yes, my, yes, I do. I do. Okay, tell me I mean, it's why. Great, it's great for her, but it kind of, I, I just think it, 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 it's a great story, but it kind of takes away from the event itself. You know, there are pros there. You're there to win. You know, you're Brooke Henderson. You got your best players and all that. And the focus is going to be on a 12-year-old. Sure, but she did qualify she you know, did. legitimately. She well, like, she yes, she did. Like this wasn't some kind of a sponsor exemption or no, something. no. She qualified and, and 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 look, let's so face, why disqualify her because she's too young? Let's face it. I mean, if I wanted to draw attention to my event, I would make the qualifications maybe a little bit easier. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they wouldn't have to be so tough. Maybe <laughs> what are you suggesting? I'm just telling you that <laughs> if you want to get if you want to bring publicity to your sport. You know, make it so that maybe a twelve-year-old could play. Well, then, good. Because I mean, this is, is this, this is something interesting is this for me now. I'm yeah. interested in how the twelve-year-old did. Right. So, would you watch it to see how the twelve-year-old did? I'm not sure I'd watch it, but I, I'd want to know. Like, but, otherwise, I might ignore the entire tournament. Right. Like, what uh, I'm so what I'm saying, are, would you be more likely to tune in, knowing that there was a twelve-year-old playing? A Canadian. She's Canadian and she's twelve, and she's. I, I might be more likely to tune in to you see will the twelve-year-old. That's maybe. my point. You will be more likely. You right. might even go. I wonder how that twelve-year-old's doing. But if she wasn't involved, you would have no interest at all. Am I correct? That, that's a fair. Uh, yes. Okay. You're correct. So, so really smart move. Uh, now she earned her way on. She was the low Canadian, and for that you get you automatically qualify for the 
women's. She's an amateur too. Imagine she was a pro at the age of twelve, <laughs> right? Oh, and by the way, yeah, just to go completely off topic. Yeah. Did you hear about this this kid, this teenager that won three million playing uh, Minecraft or whatever? That no, three million <laughs> gamers. Gamers are making so much money. It's, it's ridiculous. But think about all the parents that said, "Why did you get out of the basement <laughs> and get out and get some fresh air?" And now they're saying, "Get out of the fresh air, get into the basement and learn Minecraft." Right. You're gonna make a four, a three million dollars. And I saw this story the other day, actually a really good story on W five. Mm-hmm. About and some of them are Canadian kids, but about how schools are offering full scholarships, full athletic scholarships for esports. It's crazy how esports has taken off. And I the, still have zero interest in esports, yeah. but it's not for me. I've and learned. the pros, the pros are making fifty. There's this one 18 year old kid from Ottawa. He's making fifty grand a year, has his room and board paid for, transportation wow. paid for, and plays for a professional esports team. And he just got traded. He got traded like from Boston to Houston. Wow. And Toronto apparently has a fantastic team. Yeah, I think they're all Korean though. No, they're not. Okay, that may be a different esport. There's a there's no, no, some no. big league we've got in Toronto where all the all the players are from South Korea. I don't know if all of them are. I uh, <laughs> on this particular Toronto team, there seems to be a uh, a plethora of, um, of of Koreans. But there's teams all over the world. Sure. I, I mean, learning about this, right? Right. And the fans are wild, and they're right into it, and they watch <laughs> the games on a big screen. Wow. This is considered this is professional sports. But for a teenager to be to earn three million, like if this isn't the World Poker Championship, right? You know what I mean? These are, these are these but are again, teenagers. this teenager has the skills to 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 right. whatever I don't know any much about it, but whatever they do to earn the three million dollars, right. like just like this twelve year old uh, whose name is Michelle. Oh, just like my yeah. my Michelle daughter. Liu. So if Mich- if Michelle scores uh, well and 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 qualifies, why would you say, oh, sorry, you have to be? I know tennis does this, right? Tennis put a floor. Is that right? Yeah. Tennis says you have to be of a certain I age four, now. Fourteen, because Jennifer Capriati was thirteen, and yeah. But I think that's the other yeah. thing is is that is the maturity level of a twelve year old, regardless of how great they can play golf, is not going to be. I mean, that's that's awfully difficult. You're, the kids, the kids, not even in grade eight. Yeah. So you know, being able to put a ball in a hole is one thing, but everything else that's involved, travel, accommodation, you know, how about hanging out? What, what kind of conversation are you going to have with your playing partner? You know, you're 12. So interesting discussion. Yeah, yeah. Cause I, now I realize of but, course, when Eric Lindros was 17, right. he could have played in the NHL, but there's a rule. You cannot be a 17 year old in the NHL. Like why does that rule exist? Yeah. Cause he was good enough to be there, but we are, but look, we love, we love these stories. We love the stories of the youngest and the oldest. We love it. Right. We love the story of 59-year-old Tom Watson who almost won the British Open a few years ago. You know, 59. Right. No, one, no one that age has ever won a major before, you know? Not a senior, but an actual major. And so the other end is, you know, how long before an embryo is qualified for the Canadian <laughs> Open, ladies and gentlemen? A fetus. Has qualified. Now that's a story. No, no, no. But I'm saying it's younger and younger because when Brooke Henderson did it at 14, she was, I mean, you know, there's 14 year olds that, that, you know, develop quicker and, and, you know, Michelle, Wee when she was 40 yep. could hit the ball a long way. This girl's 12, 12. What next? 11, 10, eight, eight year olds. Interesting. What next? Kids are taking over the world. 17-year-olds are making $3 million playing games, right? You're fast with your thumbs. You're smart. You're, you're, you know, you've got great anticipation. You've got you know, incredible hand-eye coordination. It's what it takes, Mike. It takes hand-eye coordination. Tell that to Tom Brady and Roger Federer. Does it not? <laughs> it's amazing what's going on. So anyway, uh, I'm going to be interested. I, I, I believe 12 is too young, but I mean, look, if she was good enough to qualify, great. And I will, and I'm, I will watch for a longer period of time than I may have normally watched because I want to see how the 12-year-old Canadian does sure. against the best pros in the world. I'm with you, man. That's all there is. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe she'll accept an invitation from me to play uh, crosswinds. 
Come on, come with me. Come play crosswinds. Let's see. And the other thing is, she's way away from shooting her age. <laughs> think about that. That's but right. I got to believe that in, it's six, impossible, in, I believe in 60 years from now, she'll <laughs> likely be able to shoot a 72 when she's 72 years of age. She probably will. <laughs> right? Um, anyway, uh, if you love golf, check out crosswindsgolf.com. Just 45 minutes from downtown Toronto in beautiful Burlington. And uh, tell them Hebsy sent you. I'll, I'll see you out there. Now, hockey. Because it's just been so damn hot. Let's cool off with a little bit of hockey. And we're brought to you by Titan Blades. All the top pros use Titan Blades. Maybe you should start thinking about using Titan Blades. Hockey season is almost here. Titan Blades bring the pro shop to you. Go to titanblades.com. T-Y-D-A-N blades.com. Leaf forward Zach Hyman sustained a torn ACL against the Boston Bruins in the playoffs last year. Didn't know the injury was so severe. Oh, it hurts. Give me a Tylenol. Can you imagine that? High pain threshold. He sustained the injury late in game four when he tried to lay a hit on Brad Marchand of the Bruins. The team confirmed his injury following the conclusion of the series, but Hyman said he played through the ailment for the final three-plus contest because it didn't seem as severe as it was ultimately determined to be. Was it partially torn or fully torn? I don't know. But, you know, he says, I thought I hyperextended it. Uh, I tried without a brace and it was fine, but we ended up putting a brace on for games five, six, and seven. And it was just pain tolerance. And I thought I could manage the pain and I thought I could skate pretty well. Uh, We should also mention that Zach Hyman owns an esports company and team. Does he? He's right into it. He's into a bunch of different things. He is right into it. He writes books. Yeah, he's right into it. And he's got a company that's very successful. And he he actually hires and pays, you know, young young people, teenagers, to be on his team, be part of his esports day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, now, I mean, you know, he, could, he could quit hockey right now and do just fine for himself. For sure. Now, I do know some people just have a higher pain tolerance. Yeah. Like, Not me. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, ah! Yeah, and, some, I would... and some have the opposite, right? Like, so he, I, I kind of believe him. He thought he was managing the pain. He, mm. he had pain. He managed it. Like, I, I think he just had a high like, pain tolerance. Like give me a cortisone he... shot and put right? me out there. Well, yeah, good and, for him. And, you know, and I'm, I'm going to say, like, hockey, all hockey players, but hockey players seems, seem to be the ones that if they lose, you know, if they have dental work, they lose all their teeth or something right. happens to them, uh, you know, that they're, they're going to go out there and play. So t- tape an aspirin to it and let's go. That's sort of the hockey player's mentality. Right. You see the guy on the bench, right? And he's lost all of his teeth and he's not, I'm not going to the dentist. Also, if the ACL, it's different than a basketball guy, right? Because in hockey, you're in the boot and you're kind of wrapped up down there. Like it's kind of like... you can uh, put a brace on it. Right. And, it's a little different than like a basketball so. player, for example. I don't know. I've never tried it before. <laughs> I, I, I got to believe it's still pretty painful. Anyway, the 27-year-old Hyman added that he planned to undergo an MRI, but didn't want to do so until after the series due to the whirlwind postseason schedule and because he, quote, felt fine at the time. Now... You're not, no one's going to admit. you imagine? Like, your team's battling the playoffs. You're going to go, oh, I think I'm going to go for an MRI. Don't no. They, don't they just have one in the uh, no, no, Scotiabank Arena? No, they don't. They don't, they don't have an MRI. No, they don't. Uh, and then given a recovery timetable of at least six months following his April diagnosis, Hyman is projected to return in late October if his rehab progresses as planned. But he wasn't tipping his hand on uh, how it's going so far. So here's what he said. I don't want to give anybody a date and then have it not be that date. But I have a date in mind. It's got to be approved by the medical team first, but it's always good to have a goal to strive for, and it motivates you more, and whether that's attainable or not, we'll see. This guy's got a good head on his shoulders. Yeah. So, I mean, if he's ready, I mean, if he's ready earlier than the late October thing, that's great. Very yeah. smart approach. Yeah. And, and think look, about that sentence. That's, that's, yep. This guy's got a, like, yeah. like no wonder he's got the, the E-team and the, the kids' books. And, yeah, he's a uh, smart guy. And, <laughs> and look, Marcus Stroman, who we just mentioned, did the same thing. You know, they said, oh, you've torn your ACL. You know, you're not going to be able to pitch this year. And you, well, watch me. 
I don't believe he had a particular, I, he, I, I'm sure he had a timetable in his head. It happened in March. And I'm sure he said, I'll be back for September or whatever. I don't recall his date. But it was well before everyone else had predicted. And of course, medically, they're always going to predict later. They're always going to err on the side of caution. Right. Six to eight weeks, right. four to 12 weeks, two to eight years. You know, you know, the outside could be that. And I'm sure Hyman is like, oh, you know what? If I'm feeling good, you know, I can do some light skating in August and you know, whatever the case is. So hopefully he'll be back before it. But I mean, as long as he doesn't rush back, as long as the medical team says, you know what? Zach, the ACL is strong, looking good, off you go. Because he's not being penciled in for the beginning of the year. And nor is Marner, you see. Right. Marner's not expected to go to camp. Marner's not going to be part of the Leafs in October. He might hold out until December like Nylander. In fact, uh, what, so what's Steve Simmons he said, suggested he'd yeah. be signed like uh, within the first week of the season. Or Steve something Simmons like is in trouble eh, with Don Cherry, eh? Be more specific. Well, oh, Cherry yeah, because interview- of, uh, no, I do know this. Yes, but Don Cherry did an interview with Joe Warmington. Right. On Sun TV. They don't have Sun TV anymore, do they? But the Sun, still, but the Sun still does like video, like they do their, for the website, maybe. Yeah, like the reporters for... do. So anyway, they did a sit down with Don Cherry. Joe Warming did a sit down with Don Cherry, who basically said, "Look, uh, you know, I don't, he and Steve Simmons were friends. I never heard from him. You know, he sort of reiterated what had been said a while ago. Like he never called me, he never anything like that. No, I'm so there hasn't been an official announcement by Sportsnet, but but still." You know, there was, an, there was a tweet from the official Hockey Night in Canada uh, address that said Don would be back. Like, I saw that. Like, this is the verified Hockey Night in Canada. Twitter account said that Don Cherry will be back for next season. I think that's sufficient in then 2019. Like, is that it? is the official word from Rogers. Hockey like, Night in Canada, the nameless, faceless no, Hockey Night in Canada. No, but the verified account. The verified account. So right. somebody, who's, whoever's running that Hockey Night in Canada account said, no, nah, he's back. Yes, but the bosses didn't have that deleted. You know what I'm telling you? So it's, okay. uh, I believe that would be, in 2019, that is like the official word. I guess so. Cherry's yeah. back. Makes sense. Um, anyway, so Zach Hyman, we don't know when he's going to come back. At 21 goals and 41 points last year, uh, 71 games with the Maple Leafs. And, you know, really, the type of a guy who they've been saying for a couple of years, well, you know, he can't put the puck in the net. He doesn't have great hands, but, man, you've got to love a guy like that. In he's an important part of Very this important. Team. He's the first guy down the ice. He's banging other guys. He, he works the puck loose. He makes players on his line better players. Yeah. You know, he makes Tavares a better player. He made Marner a better player. Those guys don't have to work as hard to get the puck because of guys like Hyman. Well, we don't know what's going to happen. Did you know that the Pan Am games are going on? I did because the woman rugby sevens or whatever, I saw that they had uh, defended their title. What do you mean or Whatever. I can never remember. There's different variants on rugby, as you know, and I sometimes get them confused. What are the different variances? Uh, there's the one that uh, uh, the one they play in like South Africa that's different from this. Yeah, and then the sevens. And the so, sevens, yeah. And the, the union is that twelve? There's one called rugby yeah. union. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm still learning my rugby. All right. So um, the goal we have we won two gold medals. We have two golds so far: eight silver and six bronze. Um, the two golds are, as you mentioned, women's rugby sevens. Right. And women's K4 kayaking. We took a gold in that as well. Now, I admit, I haven't been paying as much attention as I'd like to the Pan Am Games. But then again, the Pan Am Games don't get that much coverage. Well, they don't have Americans. It's hard to follow them. Oh, no, they have Americans. That's yes. right. I'm confused. Like the Commonwealth. Com- right. See, there you go. Yeah. Now, there yeah. you just hit the nail on the head. Is it the Commonwealth <laughs> Games? Or is it the Pan right. Am Games? Can you name the, name the countries that are involved in the Pan Am Games? Yeah. Pan America. Right. Which would be yeah, the I Western slipped. Hemisphere. Right. Right? <laughs> right. Commonwealth would be countries that are part of the British Commonwealth. Can you name them? Yeah. All uh, of them? India must be in there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> New Australia. Zealand, Australia. Right, right. Yeah. Us. <laughs> yeah, us. What All else? the countries that didn't go to war to become independent. There you go. Excellent. All right. So, yeah, this isn't the Commonwealth Games, Mike. South Africa, know. they're back in that. Uh, uh, it's, this is the, the, these are the Pan Am Games. 
And you're right, they don't get much TV coverage. But can I, I tell you I, though? I no U.S. network is showing it. And no, the CBC doesn't do much sports, and and it does. It just seems like it must have been. It might have been on yesterday while the Jays game was on. I will say this about the Pan Am games and the Commonwealth games that yeah. when they're hosted in, like when the Pan Am games were in Toronto, I followed it very closely. Like I felt. It was. I felt a part of it. Like I could go and I, I experienced when, when, it live. When was that? Last time. When was that? 2015. 2015. The Pan Am Games. Correct. Four right. Year, four years ago. They're every four years. Right. Okay. So my that point is. That was the last time they right. had the Pan Am Games. But 2015. when the Pan Am Games are not in my own city. Yes. I pretty much ignore them. Like I don't think I follow them at See, all. Th- because I, it's not best on best. Right. And what about the Commonwealth Games? Yeah, same thing. I don't follow the Commonwealth <laughs> Games because the the Americans aren't even there. Like, uh, yeah, good for you, Andre de Grasse. Yeah. But the American sprinters weren't there. So I, I like best on best. Wait a minute. Andre de Grasse, he's Canadian. Yeah. He's a but sprinter. He, yes, but is in, he, in the is Commonwealth, he, I'm Is saying. he at the Pan Am Games? Sh- isn't he? Shouldn't he be? He was in Montreal on Friday at the Canadian oh, Track and Field Championship. Then I'm going to guess he's not. Uh, well, I'm just saying this is the this is the confusion. Right. Like I thought we would send an entire team, including Andre DeGrasse and oh. all these other guys, to the Pan Am Games, but Andre DeGrasse was at the Canadian Track and Field Championships in Montreal over and the And there's weekend. an Aquatics World Championship. Yeah. There's a penny so this got is a bunch where, of medals. And this is where I'm confused. I'm confused. I can tell you this right now. A year from now, every single one of these athletes is going to, if they qualify, are going to be at the Olympic Games in Tokyo, Japan. Yes. There isn't going to be the Canadian Track and Field Championships going on at the same time as the Olympics. Right. There isn't going to be the World Aquatic Championships going on at the same time. It's the Olympics. But it just seems whenever there's a Pan Am Games or a Commonwealth Games, it's like, well, yeah, we're not going to go to that because that would ruin the Canadian Championships. Right. Like that. And I don't know. I could not find out on the... And the websites are horrible, too. Yeah. The websites are brutal. You Where can't, is the Pan Am Games? Lima, Peru. But you can't find... I can't find out if Andre de Grasse or, or, um, or any of the track and field athletes right. um, are, are competing I, in the Pan Am Games. I know that they were just at the Canadian Track and Field Championships, but can you be in the Canadian Track and Field Championships and then fly to Peru and then... And then and then run run in the Pan Am Games. I can't no idea. find if they're in it or not. And no I'm idea. sure. I'm positive. Damian Warner. I mean the triathlete, uh, the uh, decathlete. I'm, I'm sure that these that Canada wants them to represent their country at the Pan Am Games. But but was this a scheduling conflict or was this a? Well, I just ran in Montreal in the Canadian Championship. I'm not going to fly all the way to Peru. Or are they involved? Is I, it, is see, it now later? you mention it. I when, don't know. I can't tell. No, and when the Pan Am Games were here in Toronto, I remember Michael Phelps did not take part because he was like training for some more important uh, event. Yes, that everything seems to be more important than the yeah. Pan Am Games. Agreed, agreed. Uh, at, uh, at the aforementioned Canadian Track and Field Championships in Montreal, 27-year-old Aaron Brown of Toronto captured his second consecutive 100-meter title on Friday, running a 10.021 to edge Andre de Grasse by three one-hundredths of a second in the 100 meters. Crystal Emmanuel, probably the best name in all the sports. Crystal Emmanuel sounds like a high-class high vodka or I don't know. It's a great name. Uh, she won the women's event in 11.17. But again, I can't find anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I did. I scoured as to whether these aforementioned Canadian athletes are going to be representing Canada at the Pan Am Games in Lima, Peru. I don't know. Neither do I, man. I can say though if that someone knows, can they please is, uh, tell me. That's a that the grass is a lot faster than that. I don't think we put too much uh, into that. I think the grass. Well, apparently, the semifinal heat was the best. How fast? Because well, I don't like it when I see our hundred meter guys go over ten seconds. Right. This is just over ten. <laughs> this is ten point oh two one. Right. But you're right. right. Uh, you want to see under. You want to see under ten. For seconds, sure. For sure. For sure. Uh, okay. I think we've pretty much wrapped it up here. 
Uh, that's it for episode number 123 of Hebsey on Sports. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. And thanks to our wonderful sponsors, CrosswindsGolf.com and TitanBlades.com. Uh, the reason this show is available free of charge is because of our sponsors. So please patronize them. Maybe you've never skated in your life. Well, take it up and get Titan Blades. T-Y-D-A-N. Blades. Never played golf before. Never been married before. <laughs> Check out Crosswinds Golf and Country Club. Golf, beautiful. Uh, wedding fa- uh, banquet facilities, amazing. Check them out. You'll, you, you won't be disappointed. And if you have any comments or suggestions, don't hesitate to get in touch with us. I'm at Hebsyman, and Mike is at Toronto Mike. And if you like a good book, check out my book, The Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard Of, available at Indigo, Amazon, or wherever fine books are sold. Thanks for allowing us into your headspace. Back with another episode shortly. Until then, so long for now. <laughs>